Hi, this is Saya. Welcome back to my little podcast, Hearsay, where I chat to some creative mates about their experiences. I'm also asking people about their worst or weirdest show if they're a musician and getting someone to illustrate the story. And then the pic will be posted on my Facebook and Instagram. Thank you guys so much for all your positive comments last week. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to listen. I know it's been really fun for me so far, so I hope you're enjoying listening as well. My guest today is Ben Corbett. Ben has been the dancing, backflipping and shouting co-frontman of Six Foot Hick for over 20 years and he's also the singer of Gentle Ben and his sensitive side. He has some pretty hilarious stories that I'm sure you'll enjoy as much as I did. Um, In the background of this interview, you can hear Ben's little daughter playing every now and again, which is also pretty cute. Today's illustration is by Jesse Olsen, who's not only Ben Corbett's brother-in-law, but he's also a really fantastic artist and tattooist. Go check out some of his work. It's really intricate and really beautiful. I've got one of his tattoos. He's really rad. So go check him out. Here we go. Episode two of Hearsay. Oh, hi, Saya. <laughs> I haven't got the hang of these intros yet. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise we'd started. I thought you were telling me what was going to happen. But, no. But is, it, was, it was actually happening. This is what happened with Khan oh, too. We were wow. super awkward. Yeah, that's, that's okay. This is, it's, like, that's, it's like our friendship in general. Yeah. I like to just alienate yeah. people straight yeah. off and then yeah. just see how that works out. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, then, and then we become closer through the, the process of trying to fix it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think exactly. that's a good strategy. Yeah. Seems yeah. to be working okay yeah. for us. We're, you know, we're both very nervous people, so That's it's, true. you know, it's, it's yeah. working out. Yeah. <laughs> How are your feelings today? Uh, I feel like I'm hungover, but I'm not. Oh, no. Yeah. Did you is, work at the bar last night? I worked at the bar last night and it was really busy and I didn't get a chance to drink like I normally yeah. do. And then I forgot to take booze home. Oh, no. And then, um, yeah, Rookie so error. I, I, yeah. And I stayed up really late thinking that my daughter would sleep in and she didn't. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. That's enough well, to make you feel hungover. Yeah, yeah. Lack of sleep. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> probably what's done it, I'd say. Thank you so much for doing my little podcast. My pleasure. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about your creative endeavours. I know you've had a lot. Um, so I guess I want to start by, so what, what was the first, when was the first time that you knew that you wanted to make music? Oh, I probably knew when I was sort of in the last couple of years of high school and a lot of my friends were playing music and in sort of what I would now consider to be and they would consider to be pretty hilarious covers bands and stuff like (laughs) that um and I started trying to get together with them and do some singing and and stuff and I think we once at the first rehearsal I ever had was in a an equipment shed at a soccer field <laughs> in like in the Sunshine Coast hinterland somewhere. Wow. I don't know how we had access to this place, but it was isolated and we could make a lot of noise. And um, so I think we I think we tried to cover a Danzig song, <laughs> which is 
Which one? Pretty cool. Remember? Oh, yeah, I think it was... Oh, it had a lot of, like, artificial harmonics in the guitar playing. Nice. Um, ooh. I'm, Every I'm, time think, I'm thinking not of this world. Okay. Uh, but it, I don't think it was not of this world, but that that's what springs to mind because yeah. of that. Woo dee doo dee yeah. I think that's always um, the first thing yeah, that springs to yeah, mind for yeah. me too. Um, it wasn't Mother, I know that. That's the one that everyone thinks first, but it, yeah. it wasn't Mother. It was, it was, uh, it wasn't not of this world. It wasn't Am I Demon? <laughs> there's, there's so many great titles to choose from. I know. Um, so, did you, you grow up on the Sunshine Coast? I did. I grew up on a farm, um, sort of just south of the Big Pineapple. Uh, awesome. Yes. Did you go to the Big Pineapple else a lot? In my family. Well, yeah, we did go to the Big Pineapple a lot. <laughs> my dad was um, in the local Rotary Club and they um, met at the Big Pineapple every Wednesday night. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that was his regular thing. And then, yeah, we'd sort of head up there and take family friends there. My, my father actually got this sort of lifetime pass because he took so many people there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so he would get in for free and, yeah right uh, and get people you know i don't even know what happens out. there except there's a little train yeah yeah there's a little train they used to, it's it's sort of it's all different now i haven't been for many years but um it fell into disrepair for a while there yeah but right it was it was essentially it was a theme park um oh. based around fresh produce <laughs> that's kind of a cool idea yeah, there should probably was. be more of those it kind now. of was they had a, a macadamia um uh, themed ride called the Nutmobile, <laughs> um, which was just like a little, like I guess diesel-powered train thing that went on a little road, and um, it was they were all all the carriages were shaped like macadamia nuts. That's and amazing. when I was a kid, um, Prince Charles and Princess Diana came to the Sunshine Coast, and they rode past us on the Nutmobile while yes. we waved. Wow, yeah. that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, so you know, if inspiration. You, if, if you think the royals don't, you know, <laughs> don't get special treatment, then <laughs> that's that's our taxpayer dollars yeah. in full effect. They nutmobile. had a whole private nutmobile ride. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to music. Oh, Although I feel like nutmobile could be a pretty good yeah. um, analogy for yeah. things for you. So. When so you've always been playing music with your brother, or did you have sort of have a, a bit of a separate? Uh, we I started trying to do um, a band with uh, Dan, who was also in Six Foot Hick, when I was I think seventeen. Um, with some other, he was studying at you know College of Music type place, and and we we sort of put together this in hindsight awful band. Um, where we were trying to play everything in like 15, 16 time and, you know, just being total teenage wankers. Um, and we had, we, we practiced a lot and we had a show booked and um, then our guitarist disappeared and no one could find him. Wow. And uh, this was the early 90s in Brisbane and there were lots of awful drugs going around. And mm. um, it turned out that he'd, taken some really bad acid and had um uh basically lost it a little bit and had driven back to his parents house um in sort of central queensland and they'd had to take him and put him in an institution oh my goodness (laughs) um yeah so and he he didn't sort of 
come good from that from my understanding we, we lost we lost contact i did see him once Jeez. years later and he changed quite substantially yeah, shall right. we say. so you know that's a i mean that that's that sort of horror story that people always talk about you know yeah. you have one thing and I know. you know and everything goes wrong but um i do think that he had obviously some underlying yeah. issues going on he was a pretty weird dude anyway but yeah um, well they say that's kind of the case like yeah. if you already sort of have it in you don't yeah. you like i yeah. don't really know too yeah, much about yeah. it yeah it's a that's a, terrifying yeah. story it, it, it was a bit uh, a bit awful and and very very sad um so yeah, we, we we were sort of all waiting at this show for him to show up, oh and he never God. did, and um and so that band just kind of dissolved. Yeah, fair um, enough. As these things do, um then um Jeff was doing a lot of um performance art slash theatre slash rock and roll stuff <laughs> at the time, which yeah, right. was actually not as offensive as it sounds. It was actually pretty. <laughs> it, was, it was done uh, with tongue sort of firmly in cheek. Yeah. Um, and with a, an idea of making it, you know, entertaining and, and watchable. And, mm. um, and his band Green Acres, um, which is sort of formed from the ashes of a band called the Grim Rippers, yeah. uh, got booked to play the performance art stage at Livid. And they got sort of roped me in to, to be a part of that performance. And it was um, a 25-minute rock opera. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, and I can't remember the, the, the narrative exactly, but it involved a farmer losing his m- farm and losing his mind. And in the end, um, Jeff uh, played out blowing his brains out with a, a fake shotgun that he'd, he'd built from the, from the stock of a real shotgun and a pool oh cue. Um, and uh, he, he, he did this by grabbing a handful of mulberries from our parents' farm and smashing them into his forehead <laughs> repeatedly whilst screaming, fucking oath, fucking oath. Um, that sounds yeah, incredible. It was pretty great. Um, <laughs> so you were part of this So I was a part of that performance. And it was at Livid. It was at Livid. What year was that? I'm thinking 93. Okay. Um, and then what was the transition from that into Six Foot Hick then? Well, that band kind of broke up. Um, and we started trying to form another band called Thumper, which then sort of just fell apart. And after that, um, I started writing a play, uh, called Country Style Livers. And Jeff Mm -hmm. and I kind of collaborated on this play with the idea of it being a, a death country musical. (laughs) <laughs> and I was only 19, yeah. I think, 18 actually, I think, when I wrote it. And it was very deeply flawed, I think, was the uh, the review. Uh, <laughs> and fair enough. I've had but, worse reviews than that. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, that was a positive review. <laughs> but um, it, it, we ended up, uh, it, it had a, a, a short run, I think two weeks at, at Metro Arts Theatre in, yep. in the city. And we, we formed a band for this play with this live sort of country-ish band mm. and um the members of that band then went on to become six foot hick wow um and we were terrible we were so <laughs> bad um for years we were awful well i remember seeing six foot hick open the somersault festival yeah awful it, it wasn't awful it was just i was just like and it, you know it was really early it was like you had to play it 11 or yeah, 10 yeah, or something yeah. and 
I remember just going, whoa, it's, it was such a full-on, like, thing to do at that hour of the day, what, yeah, like what was, you guys were doing. <laughs> it was, it was, it was we, we were often in the wrong place at the wrong yeah. time <laughs> or the right place yeah, at the right yeah. at the wrong time um well that's a yeah. great festival to be a part of yeah yeah i mean look it was it was we definitely didn't deserve to be on it but <laughs> like we we didn't deserve a lot of things that we got in the early yeah. years and and then um we just we just obviously did them anyway because we had really good management yeah <laughs> and um so who and, was managing you uh paul curtis oh right yeah right yeah so we got very lucky so that's why we got mm. a lot of really good supports and yeah. stuff in the early years and you know that's part of what obviously kept us going as a band because there you know there wasn't any sort of real um talent to back it up <laughs> 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 well i disagree there was a, there was an there was an attitude definitely yeah. that there was um I, I think we struggled to uh bring these all our sort of disparate influences into a into a cohesive songwriting <laughs> uh <laughs> force and yeah. Um, and yeah so so we we played a lot of i don't know just just overly complicated stuff that didn't really translate well in the beginning and then mm. um we, we all remember the the tipping point and i don't know that this actually is the tipping point but we played a show at the great northern hotel in byron base probably supporting someone great you know yeah and um, you know, we're sweating and playing all these different time signatures and doing our thing. And this in between songs, there was a moment of silence, and some Byron Bay local legend yelled, Play some fucking straight beats, you faggots. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, sometimes these things give you pause for thought, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um, so, you know, about five years later, probably, probably we took their rather awful homophobic advice and, and started playing some more straight sort of punk rock style music. Mm. And, um, and, and yeah, and I think that's kind of where the, we, we realised that we had a, a bit of a... We had a bit more going on when, yeah. we, when we just... Um, played it straight and hard and and worked on our kind of gospel punk rock yeah swamp rock amphetamine rock thing that yeah, we had yeah. going on but did you did you find that the performance part of your show was planned like did you ever go jeff and i just gonna get in people's faces and we never really did it was the the whole idea of us you know being really uh, I don't know. Confrontational isn't really a word I'd like to use because it sounds like we're trying to pick fights. But it's like we the, the idea of us being a sort of very energetic band and being um, in your face. Uh, <laughs> really, it, it came as like a what we we saw that there was a lot of I guess um, pop bands and a lot of uh, sort like of shoegaze type yeah. stuff going on. Um, particularly in Brisbane at that time. And we didn't really want to do that because we, we, you know, we, we all love Black Flag. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, and, and, you know, the birthday party and we were like, you know, this mm. is, we want people to, to go away feeling like they've seen something. Yeah. And, and it, it sort of, it started like that. And, and like I said, I think we did a terrible job of it for a few years, but then it sort of took on its own life. And, um, 
part of that was because we did a lot of touring um, very yeah. early um, as a you know as a very young band we just started going to Melbourne and mm. Melbourne was very kind to us and took on uh, what we did um, really openly and and we we sort of built a really good following there much quick much more quickly than we did in in Brisbane or Sydney or anywhere else um, and that kind of gave us license to get more silly yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, plus. Uh, there were a lot of drugs down there and yeah. that gave um, certain people license to get a bit more silly. It just kind of uh, spiraled out of control for a while and, yeah, and yeah. the shows started getting very, Intense. very full on yeah. and, and there were trips to hospital and, you know, things like that. <laughs> what, what's, the, how, what's the worst you've ever hurt yourself? Um, probably the worst ongoing thing... Um, is I've got a herniated disc in my neck, which is really oh. shit house, and my whole right arm started going numb for a while shit. there, and I was going to go have have to have spinal surgery. But Jeez. thankfully, that sort of settled down, and and it's not a current major issue. How does, is that just from throwing yourself on your um, head? I think so. It could mm. be a lot of things. Uh, I'm not even sure that that's what it's from. Yeah. It could be a, I do a lot of stupid things. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, but. Um, I've had to have stitches a few times. Yeah. Um, probably the the scariest one was like I um, put a, a the base of a broken pot glass into my ribs, and um, <laughs> and it really hurts. <laughs> um, and rather, and it wasn't like a, a you know like slash yourself up. It was like a stab yourself, oh. um, and and I did it twice because I don't do things <laughs> by halves apparently, and. Um, and sort of real, it was that moment where the, the pain kicked in after the second one and I looked down and there was a lot of blood coming out. Oh, my goodness. And in your chest? Of, like in, uh, your ribs? In, my, in my ribs mm. over, over here. And, um, yeah, and I was a bit sort of, oh, okay, this probably isn't good. Anyway, we, we finished the show and there were these sort of long stringy bits. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's not good. So I, I ended up, I got um, taken off to hospital in a cab and... Um, the lovely doctor was was very nice about the whole thing, mm. and, um, but uh, but were they able to put stitches in? Yeah, away? yeah, yeah. They put stitches in, but but she um, she had to put uh, her gloved finger into my uh, ribs, oh. like inside, to check that I hadn't punctured a lung, Jesus. which was interesting. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I've done some really <laughs> stupid shit that I've immediately regretted, but I keep doing it. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because I don't know what, and I've done it fairly recently too. At the age of forty-one, yeah. you know, like what am I thinking? Well, it's just habitual, uh, isn't it? I it, think you it, just it get it on is. stage and turn into an animal. <laughs> it's <laughs> it so is. funny being your friend because <laughs> I, I think I didn't see you guys play for a really long time, and in that time, I think we became really good mates, and and then I went to see you play you know, like a few years ago and I got legitimately worried on stage. It's like, holy shit, what is he doing? Yeah, Stop it, Ben. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not very smart. I don't know. And learn. your wife is just so calm about it. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's, she's like, I'll put the black sheets on the bed again, fella, dear. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember when, um, when Sekiden were on tour, I think we were playing in Albuquerque and Simon impaled his... Uh, his forehead with the headstock of his guitar mm. and he was too drunk to get stitches like yeah. they said they would they wouldn't do anything because you know he he had too many beers um so i'm surprised that 
the doctor. Well, I, I was sober. Oh, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I didn't drink or use any drugs or anything like that um, oh. for the first 10 years of about of, of six foot hicks so yeah right you know, just I, from like childhood or yeah yeah i don't know i was just a i was I, I sort of like i was into that sort of straight edge thing when i was younger yeah. and then i just didn't really belong to that culture or anything but i it just it was the way i lived it was like you know i was mm. on this sort of self-control trip and yeah yeah um and you know, when I'd go and play, so I'd do all, all these shows where I was completely sober and I guess the idea was, in my head, was um, to work myself up into this frenzy without yeah. any of that stuff. And So that was you your know. moment where you were out of control? Yeah, yeah, and I'd That's try cool. and sort of view it as, you know, in the same... Um, uh, almost in the same light as, you know, like a, like a, a religious ritual or something yeah, like yeah. that, you know, which is the same... It, they're all working on off the same principles it's mm-hmm. you know repetition yeah. dancing um you know like blood blood you know all mm. this all this stuff so it's it's it, i think a lot of those shows you know had this reputation for being like like some sort of revivalist preacher tent snake handler type yeah. meeting and um did you and, like that comparison yeah 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 absolutely um and we did play off it a bit because we kind of did this you know we're from the deep north where mm. these where these hick idiots from yeah. from queensland who are going to come down to melbourne or sydney and mm. destroy your venues and yeah and, and like just... i remember jeff yelling once he was like everyone was sitting down in the front row and he went motherfuckers how can you expect to be close to God when your ass is so close to the fucking devil? <laughs> and then everyone stood up. I always think that was like such an amazing moment. Like, oh, these guys are awesome. Yeah, Je- Jeff. <laughs> Jeff is certainly. Uh, he he has a a very charismatic uh, <laughs> presence um, on stage, and I've I've seen him pull off some stuff that's just. Uh, been absolutely mind blowing. There was there was a moment that I always think of where we we played at um at, uh, Meredith Festival mm. and it was really cold and sort of overcast and and we were on stage and Jeff was doing his sort of southern preacher kind of just blithering at the crowd yeah. and, and he was doing these sort of monologues and at the peak of every monologue the sun would just come out over wow. over the audience, and I was just going, "This is amazing!" Yeah. It, was just, it was freezing cold, and then this bright sunshine would just sort of erupt over the over that the amphitheater. And I spoke to him about it afterwards and said, "Oh, that was so cool! How that was happening! What a what a great coincidence!" He said, "No, no, I was facing the." the crowd and I could see the clouds coming ah, over and he was timing his monologues to like he just had has this <laughs> incredible ability to ad lib like that yeah and um and and so it was sort of like oh, okay there's a real stagecraft going on yeah. there in what looked like complete chaos yeah you know, a lot of the time he is pretty incredible I yeah. mean it's incredible watching you both <laughs> perform because I feel like in like in real life in, in inverted commas you're both like quite sort of calm and and gentle and then on stage it's just like whoa <laughs> you know i don't think anyone would want to hang out with someone who was like what we are on stage all the time you yeah know, well it'd like, be like hanging out with fucking jim morrison or yeah <laughs> i'm the lizard king fuck off jim yeah you wouldn't yeah. want to hang out with the people that want to hang out with people yeah, like that exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> um so can i go back to oh yes when 
you were starting a band, did you ever pick up an instrument? Uh, I used to play a little bit of keyboards, funnily enough. Did you? So, uh, uh, when, I was a, when I was a youngster. Um, but I was terrible. And, and the reason I was terrible is that I never practised. And yeah. so <laughs> I got bored and um, just gave it away, mm. um, which is unfortunate because my dearest wish now is that I'd stuck with something and yeah. um, I wouldn't have to open my mouth on stage. It would be amazing. <laughs> Maybe just to breathe occasionally, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and drink obviously. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's it. It it is a, a bit of a regret of mine, and I sort of every once in a while sit down with a a guitar and and have a little muck around, and then just you know get disheartened and, mm. and move on. I've been very lucky in that I've had lots of understanding people to collaborate with yeah and and you've got um obviously you found a real talent in you know your voice and your lyrics and yes (laughs) does jeff play anything no he he played a bit of bass when he was a teenager and um but then never really sort of once again didn't go anywhere with it and he sort of started singing in bands when he was um, studying in Toowoomba at art school and yeah. um, I think his first band might have been called Three Men in a Truck um, <laughs> and then I think they sort of became Grim Rippers who had a fairly long run um, mm. in Brisbane and um, that's a great name yeah it is great name. <laughs> they were a great band they, yeah. they were really good um, if anyone has their EP um, it's actually worth a bit of money now oh really yeah yeah oh. um, and um, came with a a uh, hand-drawn comic book that Jeff, um, that Jeff did, and right. it was pretty great. Pretty great. Awesome. Yeah. So when you're, um, you obviously, so you never sit down and write a song. You sort of collaborate with people to get a song happening. Oh, I definitely sit down and and just write a bunch of lyrics. Yeah. And, and you know, work from a concept, and then mm. um, there's a few different ways that it that it happens. Um, in in my two different bands. And, yeah, so that's Six um, Foot Hick and Gentle Six Band. Six Hick and Gentle Band, yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes it will it will come from, more more often in Six Foot Hick, it, it will come from, you know, someone comes in with a riff and it yeah. gets jammed on and, you know, and bits get put together and then I'll try and fit some lyrics to it. Mm. Um, occasionally I'll hand off some lyrics to Dan or Tony or Fred and, and, yeah. try, and try and work from there. With General Ben and his sensitive side, it's more likely that I'll uh, hand off some lyrics to Dylan and then he'll sort of go, okay, I can work around this. Okay. Um, but both bands kind of do a mixture of both of those mm. um, techniques, I suppose. And yeah. look, they're, they're both <laughs> deeply flawed um, <laughs> ways of writing music and, and often very slow and... Yeah. and um, I don't think there's any wrong way to write a song. Oh no, I don't think there's. I don't think they're wrong. I just think that there's probably it would probably be much easier if I could sit down and you know noodle away on a guitar or a piano and, and go here's a basic idea. Let's yeah. work from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, then it wouldn't be what it is now. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's sort of worked in some capacity for mm. quite a few years now. So. So yeah. do you always have a theme when you're writing? I try to. Um, just because otherwise I think it can sort of end up a bit 
you know, it's just a bunch of words. Yeah. <laughs> and I sometimes do that. I just sometimes I just write down and write a bunch of words and they don't mean anything. And then I try and find meaning within them. Yeah. Which is also deeply flawed. No, no, but, <laughs> but you, see, once again, yeah, there's no wrong way of doing it. And I can totally see the value in that. And mm. I think often the, the songs that I've sort of been the most happy with have been the ones that it's that thing of like, uh, where I've managed to sort of step outside myself a bit more um, yeah. and, and um, not sort of write a, oh, this is about my feelings or this mm. is about this particular concept. It's more, um, I don't know, just... It, one of the one of the ones that I think of as an example is there's a song called that I wrote called Help Me Make It Down the Street. Um, it's just really it's sung from the point of view of a fairly awful person. A lot of my songs are. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not talking about myself. Yeah, yeah. Um and and they're sort of it's this idea of um giving a voice to someone who wouldn't normally be heard from and shouldn't necessarily be heard from yeah, but right. but trying to trying to uh make a, a even a, even a pretty song um you know like help me make it down the street is ostensibly a love song mm-hmm. about someone who's so pissed that they can't stand up yeah and is picking fights and, mm. and um you know just being awful but expecting their partner to look after them and, yeah. and um so you have a certain yeah. amount of distance from the perspective when you're writing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's often lends itself to a better song. What uh, do you, Coming back to, like, why you started playing music and you mentioned Black Flag. So with Black Flag and, and Rollins and stuff, your heroes back then, has that changed at all? Yeah, um, definitely. I sort of... I mean, I see a lot of... I, I still love Black Flag... I probably prefer some of their pre-rolling stuff a bit yeah, more yeah. now. Although I, I love, I still love their records. Um, I, I, I guess my heroes as front people uh, have evolved a bit. Um, Lux Interior is a massive influence mm. and sort of has been ever since um, I saw him. Um he, he did one of the, the greatest things I've ever seen anyone do on stage, which was just this incredibly casual piece of destruction that just he someone brought out a brand new mic stand because he'd bent his mic stand a little bit yeah. and he saw this mic stand, walked over to it and very, very casually just folded it into three pieces over his <laughs> knee and just dropped it on stage. And it wasn't, it wasn't done like, I'm going to smash this thing. It yeah. was just like, here's a brand new piece of equipment. <laughs> I'm very calmly going to render it completely useless. And it was, it, was so, it was so petulant and so snotty, but it wasn't done in a petulant and snotty way. It was just done in this absolutely casual way. And it, it hinted at a much greater capacity for destruction. Yeah, and it was, that's amazing. It was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to watch. All this whilst in skin-tight PVC pants <laughs> and high heels. Yeah. Um, I love that that's one of your greatest performance oh, oh, moments. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> and then there's um, someone like David Yao from The yeah. Jesus Lizard, who I think is incredible. Yeah, incredible. Um, we, I saw him play... At, um, what was then, I think, the Roxy in Brisbane. And the first note of the first song, he just walked off the front of the stage. <laughs> um, and the band, there was no count in. They just started playing as he fell. Wow. And it, 
he didn't even look to see if there was anyone there to catch him and there pretty much wasn't like people people didn't realize they were about to start and people had to rush forward and, and catch him and that and so amazing. that stuff has been a huge influence yeah. on me um yeah mm. and then there's that you know obviously someone like you know nick cave who yeah. i got to see up pretty close at um at festival hall and yeah that was from from him i guess i got this idea of you can come out on stage looking very nice you know he was wearing a three-piece suit yeah. and then as the show went on he just it became more and more disheveled and, and mm. it was just this shrieking banshee but then they'd play a really beautiful love song yeah. and then it would go and I, that's a lot of that sort of general band and his sensitive side yeah, stuff yeah. um well i suppose nick cave also has that religious aspect in yeah, his performance yeah, as yeah, well and yeah. always had yeah it's very like ritual yeah sort of yeah things. yeah 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 and i think we've kind of uh, taken on i guess you know some elements of that over the mm. years but, but maybe a little bit more <laughs> a little bit more sunshine coast hinterland <laughs> based because we actually have a lot of weird religious types um in our extended family and, yeah, wow. and some born again kind of really um you know raise your hands to the sky type people wow and it's all a bit frightening do you spend any time with those people pretty rarely yeah yeah and It'd be interesting just to, to ask them questions though yeah i think i, I think i, think I kind of know what the answers would yeah. be um <laughs> and it's always jesus yeah that's yeah and um fun. yeah I, I just find I don't really like being looked at yeah. <laughs> by them, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah. So did you, um, when you started Gentle Ben, was that a conscious decision to sort of be able to sort of take a breath, do something that was a bit, you know... Totally, less, yeah. totally. Um, yeah, because Six Week Hick was going fairly flat strap and we were mm. playing a lot of, you know, lots of very intense shows and... and um, I'd actually seen a band in Melbourne called Morris Frawley and the Working Class Ringos, and yeah. they um, were playing at things like one a.m. in in like the front part of the SB or something like that. It was like a, they, and they were playing basically country covers, and I was like, oh, "This is great, you know. This is this is kind of where I'm at, you know. I really want to play some country music. I really love country music, and yeah, and um, I started." sort of saying that to a few people and one of the people I said it to was Nick Norton El Norto yes. um, and he said yeah yeah let's do it mm. and I was like oh okay and he said I'll get my band the Skippy Show Band <laughs> um, to be your your band you know we'll, we'll, and I was like yeah alright and I'd sort of I think I'd seen them once or twice and they were kind of a, a kind of a twee pop band yeah and, but and instrumental yeah yeah, yeah. instrumental twee Skippy. pop band they, they had a couple oh, of great. yeah they're a great band but but yeah. not really where i was thinking but yeah nick sort of seemed to think that they were versatile enough and <laughs> so i came in with a, with a few um cover ideas and we started playing them and they sounded all right and so we we ended up basically doing a couple of shows as a as a pure covers band um to begin with and just playing country music and I'd mm. wear a cowboy hat and I'd yeah, I remember that. sit on a chair. It's and, great. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then we started trying to write some originals and it sort of veered quickly away from the country uh, roots that it had originally and, and mm. we sort of realised that we were creating something that was a bit different than any of us had it expected yeah and, yeah yeah and it, it from then it just kind of 
snowballed into the band that it became. Yeah. Which, you know, went from a band that would play, you know, a heartfelt country song to something that was almost like a crowd rock influenced disco number <laughs> or something, you know? So, yeah, yeah. That's it was cool. A, yeah, it was a, that, that sort of the most versatile band I've yeah. ever been involved with. It was a bit with. of a transition in that band, I think, from when you first started. I remember being really stoked about the, the country vibe and the hat <laughs> and everything and sitting down. Yeah. And now I like, can't imagine you sitting down in that band. No, you know, no. Like, um, still a crazy man on stage. <laughs> and Dylan's a really um, interesting songwriter. He's he really He's always got a really great pop sensibility. He, he does. He does indeed. And um, he's... He's also got sort of musical diarrhea, so he's, yeah. he's very... Um, he needs to play music all the time. Yeah, he needs to time. play music, and he, yeah. he writes constantly, and mm. he, he writes in the middle of playing songs as well, which is <laughs> pretty pretty interesting. <laughs> um, so you often don't know where you are. Um, mm. it, so you'll never play the same show twice. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Him. And um, often you, you won't play the same song and it, it's really interesting too because it was a band where basically rather than the drums, you know, kind of setting the pace and leading mm. the band, it was his guitar playing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which made everything kind of elastic and kind of walk this weird tightrope when you were playing um, mm. that everyone would be very attuned to what he was doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, which which I think lent it a pretty unique sound. Definitely. Yeah. And now your brother Jeff is doing something not similar, but doing something completely different with Dylan and yeah, a, yeah. a couple of the same people yeah. from Gentle Bend. Yeah, shifting sands. That's so that's a also amazing, but yeah, yeah, really different. And yeah. are you finding that you're having a little battle about those band members and no, what you're doing? no, no, because it's it's more just a a case of whatever works, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're, they're the people who are there. They're the people who want to play shows yeah, or, or and want who to record. And, and yeah. yeah, and who understand their concepts about yeah. what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the bands are different enough to that no one's missing out on anything. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in Shifting Sands, there was a, a very uh, clear direction in that Dylan was going to play this um nylon string acoustic guitar Mm -hmm. so that gave it a particular sound and and feel and um you know the they they've kind of had a rotating roster of drummers but Mm. seem to mainly be using nick now yeah dan plays guitar sometimes in that band but it's very different guitar playing to how he would in six foot hick yeah absolutely yeah it doesn't it doesn't sort of worry me or bother anyone i I think it's just how it works Trying to stir some shit. Um, <laughs> keep, keep trying. Do you feel, how do you feel your relationship with your brother has changed over the years? Um, I think, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I mean, we used to sort of live in each other's pockets. I mean, we used to live together for quite a, a few years and, um, and obviously, you know, life doesn't allow you to keep doing that. Mm. It would be weird anyway. So, yeah. um, <laughs> We we have a, a good sort of we, we have this weird sort of honest relationship where we don't really talk about anything, <laughs> which is a very Corbett family thing to do. Okay. You don't you don't talk about your problems. You bottle everything up. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, and release it in you know. On stage. Yeah, on stage or yeah. in other um, unhealthy ways. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, we, we just, we, we get along really well, but we also, I think, frustrate each other. Um, yeah. I mean, that's pretty normal family yeah, dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, I, I probably learned to be a bit more, uh, forceful with my opinions and my, no, I'm not doing that. Yes, I'm mm. doing that over the years, which I've just had to because yeah. I have a fucking business and, you know, yeah, family. and a child. Yeah. And, you know, so there's, there's things that you have to put first sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I think that frustrates him sometimes because um, uh, he's probably used to having um, people march to his beat a little bit more, Yeah. which is understandable. Well, he's also the older brother, so he's probably used to having yeah, you do what yeah. he wants. Also, I think he's um, a little bit more driven than I am. I'm, 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 I'm the very much put me in the wheelchair, get me to the show kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's I, I relate to that so much. It's just like I, I don't want to think about any of the other bits. Just yeah. just put me on stage with yeah. a microphone, and that's where I'll do my thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's I think I'm. I don't know if lazy is the right word, but kind of maybe a bit apathetic about achieving things and it's only when things are right in front of me and ready to go that I'm like right let's do this yeah let's, let's, let's do the best job. yeah let's do the best possible job even though we haven't prepared at all <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really cool and I think it's really awesome that you've got as far as you have with um that a, you know, sort of relaxed attitude. Well, I think that is totally dependent on people like Jeff, who actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and Dylan and, and you know, Dan and, and people who've kind of helped me along, you know, like I'm, I'm just very lucky that there's been people who, who have a bit of drive. Yeah. Who've, who've wanted to, and, and, you know, aside from those people, there's also the people who've been really good about booking shows for us and, you know, all yeah. that kind of thing. So thankfully some other people have had some belief in what we do. Yeah. It was just up to me. I would never have achieved anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I guess you, you guys, Six Foot Hick, have done a lot of touring overseas. Um, you've got relationships with people in France. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Europe. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty fortunate. And I think we've, we're going back next year, actually, Great. to France. We've been booked to play um, the Binique Folk Festival, which is a not really a folk festival it's a okay. big um music festival um in the seaside town of binic um beautiful. In, in Brittany. um and so that's going to be pretty amazing is that six, just six foot just six foot yeah. as far as i know mm-hmm. um unless look if if they want to get the sensitive side over there i'll 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 play two shows a day for a yeah. while that's cool um, yeah. <laughs> um so that's going to be pretty interesting um to see it was the last time I think we were overseas was uh, many many years ago mm. um, like seven years ago something like that um, really with that band oh yeah and um, yeah I think Sensitive Side went over five years ago yeah remember that so yeah it's uh, I'll be interested to see what playing night after night is like um, yeah for Six Wood here it's been a while it's since you've done that and it's those those sort of longer tours really did a number on my body. I, I bet. <laughs> um, <laughs> like uh, would lose a lot of weight and end mm. up with you know limping around the streets of Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, looking looking much the worse for wear. Oh no! Um, and do you find these days um, do you do a lot more drinking before shows and stuff too? Um, or? 
Oh, I, I definitely really. a lot more than I did when I was, you know, not drinking. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, it depends. With the sensitive side, I, I tend, which we don't play much at all anymore, but I tend to drink a lot more when I'm playing with that band because mm. I feel like I can. With Six Foot Hick, I don't tend to get really drunk because it's so physical. And yeah. I have a bad habit of throwing up. Yeah. during shows right. um, yeah it is pretty gross so I try not to eat beforehand and I try not to drink too much and if I do drink I try not to drink too much beer because yeah, all that fizzy stuff froth yeah, vom. yeah yeah <laughs> frothy bombs um, yeah and, <laughs> where do you vomit usually side of stage because where else are you going to go yeah. you know and then like I'll you know try and clean it up with a towel or something afterwards yeah it's it's all it's all pretty pretty awful i got food poisoning once in when regurgitator were playing china and i had to run off stage and vomit in a plastic bag during the show i felt really bad because the chinese band that was supporting us were all sitting in in the room and they just saw this enormous german lady (laughs) running and vomiting in a bag um that was pretty bad i I probably thought it was cool I, I don't know if they... <laughs> I think they were like... I think yeah. it's cool. <laughs> I kind of feel like maybe I should have done it on stage seeing it's, you know, yeah. ironically called Regurgitator, but... Yeah, well... Uh, you know, that's... I'm a lady. <laughs> <laughs> Another missed opportunity. <laughs> uh, so part of the idea for this podcast is I really want to ask people... Um, what the strangest thing that's happened to you on stage or your worst show or just the most bizarre thing that's happened to you as part of your creative endeavour. Mm. And then as uh, as you tell that story, or not as you tell it, but afterwards I'm going to get someone just to, to draw a little picture of it, <laughs> uh, of whatever part of that story they choose to draw. Okay. And I'll be posting that on my Instagram. Oh. Uh, so what's your, what's your okay. story? I'd say this one is commie tragic. <laughs> um. <laughs> The best kind. Yeah. Um, so I uh, was playing in Six Foot Hick um, in Melbourne many years ago, maybe 12 years ago, something like that. And we were playing at the ESPY, um, the Esplanade Hotel, which was a beautiful old pub, which has been horribly renovated now. But we used to play there all the time. Mm. And we had in a great... In the front bar? Uh, we were actually playing in the Gershwin Room, oh, yeah. um, uh, which is, for those who haven't been there, it's a... A, a, probably about a 500 capacity yeah. room um really beautiful yeah lovely um, space and out the back of this this wonderful pub that i think was built in about the 1920s um so in the gershwin room at that time they had bands on at night but they would have comedy in the afternoons mm-hmm. And, you know, Melbourne is sort of Australia's stand-up comedy capital and mm. they'd have a lot of, um, you know, pretty decent comedians perform. And uh, we we came on and, and you know, um, did our show and some of the comics were still hanging around backstage and, you know, we were having a chat and they were being comedians, which is sort of, you know, overbearing and, and loud mm. and constantly telling unfunny jokes um <laughs> well, that's our job and um so we did our show and it was a normal kind of six foot hit show which is you know sweating bleeding rolling around shirtless on the stage yeah. um spitting on the roof spitting on the roof spitting on ourselves vomiting on, um, the, vomiting on the side of stage <laughs> pulling out your pubes yeah all that stuff <laughs> um and we finished our show and it, was, it all went pretty well. And I came backstage and one of the comedians 
said, oh, that was really full on. I was like, oh, thanks, man. He was like, oh, did, did you feel weird about that? Was that, is that really weird? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, because of the ashes. What are you talking about? He said, oh, there's a Melbourne comedian who died um, recently and um, his last wishes were that his ashes be scattered on the stage in the Gerfen room at the ESPY. Oh, my goodness. And we did that this afternoon. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I looked down at myself, uh, at my um, shirtless torso, and... I was covered in a fine uh, sort of off-white grit. Uh, and, that's um, fucked up. <laughs> I, I had been rolling around um, shirtless and sweaty in this dead comedian's... Oh, my God. ...final remains. <laughs> Do you know who it was? No, I never actually ah. found out. Um, I felt a bit that weird really asking. really weird. Um, <laughs> And I didn't really know what to do at that point, apart from sort of shrug and go, well, that's funny. <laughs> um, I, hope, I hope they can see the humorous side of that. Oh, my God. Uh, so, that's yeah. amazing. I, I, I've, I've done a lot of stupid stuff on the stage. I've done a lot of fairly unique stuff on stage, but I, I'm pretty sure that one yeah. probably hasn't happened to anyone else that I'm aware of. <laughs> Um, yeah. Just covered in someone's dead ashes. Yeah, yeah. That's um, really gross. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've kind of learnt over the years of being in that band that you just shrug and, and move on when things like that happen because <laughs> yeah. there's not much else you can do. Um, what did you do? Did you just want to shower immediately? What well, did you feel I, like? I kind of I didn't have a choice. I was, so I just kind of toweled myself off. Yeah. And, and and you know tried to I, there was no point even trying to be respectful anymore yeah, it was just like that you know that point. Yeah, yeah yeah if there's if there's you know it's it's done now yeah. so um but i re- i mean what was going to happen to the ashes they were just going to be swept up yeah they'd be vacuumed up or something yeah. i don't know um you know i assume that you know if you want your ashes scattered on a stage you're probably fairly unconcerned yeah. about what happens yeah, to them afterwards that's but true. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have expected what did happen to Sweaty them. man to roll in it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> That's really so, fucked up. Yeah, yeah. So. I love that story. What did the others think? Um, they pretty much the same as me. You did know, Jeff roll like, around in it? Uh, yeah, he, I th- he probably would have. Probably not yeah. quite as much, though. Yeah. yeah Jeff, Jeff isn't quite as um, prone to public nudity. Yeah, and, he might have and, had his shirt on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's such a good story. Good stuff. I can't wait for someone to draw it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ben, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been really fun. Yeah, it has. Thank um, you. I can't wait to to hang out more and talk about our feelings. Not on the microphone. So many many feelings. So many feelings. I'm going to get them out of you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thank you.